You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. I would say good morning, but I don't think we say that anymore. So to you all, you all, I say, what's up? <laughs> Uh, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us all rejoice and be glad in it. For God is a great God. His mercy will last from everlasting to everlasting. Round of applause for this band. What a wonderful job. Thank everyone for uh, those who took part in allowing me to be here for this occasion. A celebration and recognition of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, Miss to recognize our president, President Brown of this fine institution. Amen. Amen. To everyone that's present, I'm glad to have my wife with me today, uh, my mother and my uncle who brought my mother this way. Uh, my intentions are not to keep you long, but I've designed this presentation in an emphasis on scripture as well as historical government records, and well as recognition for Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I wanted to talk to you this morning briefly about who am I? Uh, who am I? Certainly there are the various obvious misconceptions about me when I ask the question, whom do people say that I am? Or simply put it, the same question is, who am I? Certainly, I must admit that when answering this question, it tends to often reflect upon someone else's perspective views. For others will classify me by observing my outward appearance rather than searching deep enough to learn more about me from the inside. For if one searches me deep enough on the inside, one will discover my heart to be filled with love, faith, and hope. A heart of compassion, yet a heart of justice. A heart of purity, loyalty, devotion, and a willing heart to do that which is righteous and what is pleasing and acceptable unto my God. Yes, I may look different on the outside, but if you seek to examine me on the inside, you will also discover I look just like you. Who am I? Many say I'm black, brown, or beige, while others say maybe I'm colored, tan, golden, yellow, dark, caramel, or even mixed. Who am I? Some say I'm African, Indian, or even of an Arab descent, but I'm living in America. So how about simply calling me an American just like you. Who am I? Lash marks on my back. Circle imprint from a rope that was tied around my neck. My eyes are fiery red. Hair of wool and sores from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Who am I? My name isn't the same. A matter of fact, I have a borrowed name. My identity seems to be unknown. And my heritage or even my culture is speculated, assumed upon, 
and often misunderstood. Who am I? For I bear the occupation of servitude, that of a servant or even a slave. I traveled on many roads, going from master to master to master. Who am I? Family that I once had and knew of, but now are distant memory. My pronunciation isn't like yours. My dialect is a bit different. My speech at times can be slur. My talk is different. My walk isn't the same. Who am I? I'm constantly watched at, hovered over, picked on, judged for, overworked while underpaid. And when you look at me, what do you feel is fear simply because of me? Who am I? Who do people say that I am? More importantly, who do you say that I am? In chapter 16 of a gospel account according to Matthew, beginning with verses 13 through 17, Matthew 16, 13 through 17. I know you didn't bring no Bibles, but every one of you in here should have a smartphone by now. So you can Google Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 17 as I paraphrase. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples a question. Whom do men say that the Son of Man am? And they said to Jesus, some say you are John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Jesus responds to his disciples, but whom do you say that I am? Simon Peter spoke up and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Blessed be you, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. Now, 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 it is clearly obvious that within the perspective view of humanity, it is reasonably possible, or dare I might say, a genuine reality for us to misunderstand or misconstrue who someone else actually may be or if a particular person is of any value or worth. For there was not any special characteristics or apparent features about Jesus that would have led folks to perceive him to actually be the promised Messiah or Christ to come, nor to see Jesus as the Son of God, nor see him as the incarnate one, God in the flesh. For this Jesus we're talking about he didn't have hair like Absalom. He didn't have muscles like Samson. He didn't have good looks like Solomon, nor any royalty features like that of King David, which would have set Jesus as part as being the next chosen king of Israel. A matter of fact, Isaiah tells us that Jesus would have no form or comeliness. And when you shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. But yet this Jesus was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He hid, as it were, our faces from us. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. However, Scripture stands true, President, 
that the Lord does not see humanity the way we see things. For we look on the outward appearance, but the Bible said God looks on the heart. For it is during one particular occasion when Jesus was initially selecting his disciples, one of them by the name of Philip went to go tell his homie by the name of Nathaniel that we have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets did write about, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. But, but Nathaniel, with his judgmental uh, perspectives, it, they began to kick in and, and, and he told Philip, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Previous history, along with county clerk and court records, will show that during the 1790s, through the end of 1865, Kentucky, yes, Kentucky, was known for some of the most inhumane, cruel, and dark moments of slavery ever recorded in any given time period of history. County clerk records will reveal that black humans were classified as personal property, and therefore they were sold, transferred, conveyed, auctioned off, mortgaged as security, appraised as inventory, and even bestowed to another person as a gift upon a testator's death in that person's last will and testament. Yes, black humans were classified as personal property in the same category as if that human was actually a house, a car, piece of furniture, clothing, horse or cattle, or some other animal. Black humans, black humans here in Kentucky were stripped and erased of their identities, cultures, history, and even their dignities. And they were labeled as a slave. These black humans were beaten up, broken down, and battered by the effects of racism, prejudice, and discrimination stemming from slavery. Blacks were tortured, overworked, often abused and misused, and left wondering, who do people say that I am? Who am I? Many whites of that time, yes, not all whites, wondered and asked a question by calling blacks humans, dogs, monkeys, property, or some other stereotypical degrading name. Many whites of that time, yes, not all, would teach a black person that he or she had no worth or value because they were simply nothing but a slave. For the perspective by many of that time period, yes, not all, of that day was, can anything good come out of Africa? <laughs> yes, blacks were good to work hard, long hours in the sweat, heat, or extreme cold of the day in the fields, yet considered no good. Some blacks would be good to cook in the kitchen, to clean up the house and babysit white children's yet still considered no good. Some blacks were creative and skilled in professional craft, but were still considered no good. Some of our black women were raped and abused, yet considered 
no good. But I can only imagine how the humanity personhood of Jesus could have felt as he heard the various responses coming from his disciples in regards to what others were saying whom he was. For Jesus, who being all-knowing, certainly knew who he was and who he is. Jesus yet took the opportunity to ask an important question, an opportunity to teach his disciples the question and answer of whom do men or humanity in general say that I am? Certainly, certainly, one would have expected that the people would already have actually known who Jesus was and to also accurately be able to identify who he is. One would have thought they would have knew who Jesus was. One would have expected that. Nevertheless, this wasn't the case. For the people thought Jesus was either John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, or some other prophet. And unfortunately, here in the United States of America, in this state of Kentucky, and even down here in Jasmine County, one would expect some things. One would expect some things like racism, discrimination, prejudice, hatred, jealousy, envy, and malice would be non-existent in our modern day contemporary society. One would expect people of the day to be able to live by the golden rule. Therefore, all things whatsoever you would others should do to you, do so even unto them. One would expect people of the day to also love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, might, and strength. For this is the first and greatest commandment. And one would also expect others to love thy neighbor as thyself. But unfortunately, these expectations are not practiced or equally reinforced in our modern day contemporary society. Some people just don't mutually embrace one another because of the color of one's skin. For the people in this scripture text did not know Jesus, but why? There are three lessons to learn from this scripture text found in the gospel according to Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 17, that can shed light on to why the people did not know Jesus. Lesson number one, ignorance does not justify inaccuracy. <laughs> Verse 13 through 14, ignorance does not justify inaccuracy. That's when all of you are supposed to say, amen. <laughs> when, when Jesus came into the coast of Sisera Philip, he asked a question, whom do men say that I, the son of man? They were confused. They didn't know. The people thought he was John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, other prophets. Now the question is, how could these folks be inaccurate in identifying who Jesus is, especially either they have witnessed or heard about the track record of Jesus up to this point? For this is Jesus, you know. Jesus who allowed the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the dumb would speak, and the lame would walk again. Demons were cast out of people. Miracles were performed. 
Yes, Jesus had just fed 4,000 folks with seven loaves and a few little fishes while having leftovers. And on another occasion after this miracle uh, was done, it gave recognition to another miracle he performed earlier where Jesus fed 5,000 folks with five barley loaves and two small fish with leftovers. This is Jesus, you know, who walked on water, multiplied a great catch of fish, who forgave sin. Jesus, who healed the sick, raised up the dead, and made folks whole again. Jesus, who preached and teached the truth about the kingdom of God. Yet, Jesus had to ask the question, who am I? And these folks was inaccurate in identifying who Jesus was. They were ignorant to who he is. And ignorance does not justify. In other words, ignorance doesn't make right inaccuracy, especially when there's sufficient evidence of who Jesus is. What is ignorance? Ignorance is the lack of having the knowledge of. The information in or the awareness of something or someone. Ignorance is a result of someone not being exposed to accurate information. Ignorance is when someone has not been educated with the truth of knowledge or when someone has not studied sufficiently enough to rightly divide the word of truth in order to make reasonable determinations. But not only is ignorance these things, but ignorance is also a result when someone chooses to ignore proper facts or refuses to accept what is considered the truth. Therefore, this person relies on inaccurate information in order to justify one's ignorance. We find an example of this in scripture when Paul wrote to the church at Rome. For Paul said, I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they being what? Ignorant of God's righteousness, have gone about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves into the righteousness of God. On another occasion, Paul addressed the ignorance of the Thessalonians in his first letter concerning what happens to their loved ones who had already died in the Lord. Paul exposes their lack of understanding. Then he educates them on what is truth, and finally he comforts them by reminding them that the Lord is coming to resurrect those who have died in the Lord and to rapture those who will be alive and remain into the coming of the Lord. And, and, and when ignorance, when ignorance is it carefully exposed and correctly educated, then inaccurate reasoning lies at the door. For it was the ignorance of one race to consider another race unequal. For it was the ignorance of one race to be cruel and inhumane to another race, a practice that continued on up through the 1960s civil rights movement. For it is the ignorance from even people of our modern day contemporary society to refuse in accepting the fact that all races of people have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness simply because God have made of one blood all nations of people to dwell on the face of the earth. 
For it is the ignorance of people of today who continue spreading injustice, which separates our nation from becoming a nation in which God will have us to be. For ignorance does not justify inaccuracy. Well, let me remind you today that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses of enslaved people who are now dead, yet many of their names are found bearing record in government offices of today. These enslaved people were discriminated against, suffered because of injustice, because of the color of their skin, yet they kept the faith that one day their descendants, like us today, all of us in here, will live in a land where there is freedom. How about you all take a field trip down to your local Kentucky County Clerk's offices, and there you will find deed records, names of slaves who were sold. Then check out the deed mortgage records of slaves who were used as collateral to secure a debt. Then check out the wills, estate appraisements, settlements, inventory, or other probate records to see those slaves who were listed in a deceased person's estate. You also see white and black marriage records that were separated, y'all, separated until around 1958 or sometimes afterwards. And finally, you'll look at some court orders, court orders regarding auction sales, like you sell a car or a house or, or cattle, and you see some enslaved names that were purchased by slave owners right off the auction blocks, mainly from the slave market found at Cheapside Park, currently located in downtown Lexington, Kentucky. And by searching for accurate truth, then no one can ever justify themselves for being ignorant because ignorance does not justify inaccuracy. You got lesson number one? Lesson number two. Incorrect perceptions by others does not determine personal individualism. Find that in verse 15. Incorrect perceptions by others does not determine personal individualism. We did this the first time. Let's do it again. Amen. Amen. <laughs> verse 15, Jesus moved from the first point to another point by asking his inner circle disciples, but whom do you say that I am? In other words, what others incorrectly perceive and choose to wrongfully do, don't let it also persuade you to do. Make sure the incorrect perception of others does not personally determine who you are or what you stand for as a Christian individual. Only you, only you, only you, only you, you and you, only you can define you and only you can determine what you will do. The people didn't even know who Jesus was. Their perception of him was incorrect and inaccurate. However, Jesus was more concerned with his close disciples, their understanding of who he is. That's why he asked the question, whom do men say that I am? And when they answered, he turned to them and asked them, but whom do you say that I am? Now, the legacy in which Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. left behind, 
the ministry he led and stood for, the I Have a Dream speech that he so well delivered on August the 28th, 1963, from the steps of Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C. The speech he gave can be perceived ignorantly and accurately and incorrectly by some folks. But the issue doesn't rest with the some folks, for it resides in the personal hearts of each one of us who are here today as individuals, our individualisms, each one of us in here who can understand the truth. For you don't have to incorrectly perceive and do like some folks, but you can choose to let your light so shine before others that they may glorify your Father in heaven. I stop by here today to tell you that you have a right to shine, you have a responsibility to shine, and you have a reason to shine. Lesson number three, inspiration develops illumination which defines proper interpretation. <laughs> Verse 16 and 17, inspiration develops illumination which defines proper interpretation. For Simon Peter answered the question to Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answers and said unto Peter, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. But let me tell you something, Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal it to you, but my father, which is in heaven. Therefore, the question is, how could Simon Peter individually, properly, accurately, intellectually, and correctly interpret who Jesus is? Well, Jesus clearly points out to Peter that in his flesh and blood, there's no good residing in him in order for him to interpret who God is. For God must reveal, in other words, make known his truth about inspired scripture. Inspired scripture is when God breathes his word to us for enlightenment or illumination. For our illumination only comes when the Holy Spirit opens our spiritual eyes to comprehend and understand God's revealed and inspired word. In other words, what is illumination? Illumination is when our spiritual light switch clicks on. For when our spiritual light switch clicks on, we're able to understand and appreciate the words that Dr. King spoke to us when he said, I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. He said, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men and women are created equal. Martin Luther King reminds us the truth about justice and unity. For when our light switch clicks on, we'll be able to realize that before there ever was a Martin Luther King, there was yet another king. But this king is known as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Why well, stop by here today to tell some and remind others that this is the king who the songwriter says, he came down from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross, our sins to pay. From the cross 
to the grave, from the grave to the sky. Lord, we lift your name up high. Who is this King of Kings? The person who on Calvary died for our sins, buried in the grave. But early on that third appointed morning, he rose from the grave. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. Who is this King of glory? Jesus is his name. For when the light switch clicks on, you will be able to answer yourself the question, who am I? Who am I, President? Who am I? Who am I? The question we can all ask ourselves. Let me tell you who I am, for I am a child of God. I am a believer in Jesus Christ. I am a Christian. I am a child of the King. All of us in here can answer the question. I am one on a mission striving to make a difference and a change, to break down barriers. What kind of barriers we need to break down? Break down prejudice, stereotype, unhealthy traditions, break down fables, myth, and false witness, break down hatred, jealousy, and malice. And when we break these things down, then we can build up commitment, compassion, conviction, faith, hope, love, regardless of what someone else may look like. And as I close, certainly if Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was here to speak with us today, Maybe he'll say a little something like this. For if America was to be a great nation, this must be true. Let freedom ring. Let freedom ring from the communities of Jessamine County, beginning right here on this campus in Wilmore. Let freedom ring from Wilmore down to Nicholasville on up to High Bridge. Let freedom ring from the slopes of Vineyard on to Union Mills. Let freedom reign from Pollard to Pink to Nelton and on to Mount Lebanon. Let freedom reign from Laguna to Little Hicktown and on over to an area known as King. Let freedom reign from King to Hangley to Hall to Dixon Town and to Catnip. Let freedom reign from the newly developed area known as Brandon Crossings. From there, let freedom ring on in the capital in Frankfort, Kentucky. And let freedom ring from our state's capital on up to Washington, D.C. And if we get an opportunity, let's stop by the White House and let freedom ring. And when we allow freedom to ring, when we let it ring from every village in every hamlet, from every state in every city, We'll be able to speed up that day when all God's children, black people, white people, and all people, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics, will be able to join together and sing in the words of an old Negro spiritual, free at last, free at last, thank God Almighty, we're free at last.